Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Doc Talks, where I doc talk. Uh, this week, we're going to take another break from Feats before we jump back into that. And as you can see on my pictures over here, flashing are some spell ranges. And so we're going to be doing that as well. We need to start with how we're going to describe casters. And there's two methods to do this. There's the divine and arcane casters. Those are... Casters that your powers come from divine powers and casters where your powers come from traditional magical sources of kinds. Um, and these are a little bit different as well. There are benefits and downfalls to each one of these. We're going to go through them a little bit at the end here and maybe even talk about a few spells and how they work. I break these down as not divine and arcane casters, but... Traditionally, we've always done full casters, half casters, partial casters, or third casters. And recently, I've accepted the packed caster because even though it's only Warlock, it is very unique and worth talking about separately. Full casters. Stereotypical magic users. That's all they have is magic. Both divine and arcane. That's why I said it didn't matter. Um... As long as you don't multi-class with any of these classes, you get up to ninth level spells. This is the cool, awesome spells everybody's always trying to get to, but it is one of those long-reaching, hefty goals, I would put it. Our full casters in Redigan will be our bard and our sorcerer, now that we know he's a sorcerer, uh, which is Taysan and Prue. And I'm going to use that, and I'm going to talk about Redigan today, not just because the podcast is being released in less than two weeks on podcasting form, hint, but because it is worth talking and mentioning and, and what we do, and, and something that you can see when you come to our streams, and something I can answer questions on easy enough. Half-casters are the ones that use a combination of spells and martial abilities. Basically, that ranges down, and subclasses might change this, and A, uh, UAs from Wizards of the Coast, Unearth Arcana is what that stands for. These will be pretty much your rangers and your paladins. So, not only do they use spells, and they have spells in there, um, but the highest spell level they'll ever reach is 5th level four reasons because it's not their whole abilities and then you have your partial or third casters those are going to be more subclass casters here in an earlier D, D edition sorry but for us it's going to be like the arcane trickster or the eldritch knight where the magic is a backup to a backup to a backup but their whole class is not set up for that even if you take those subclasses and then the other limitation is that the highest highest they will cast is 4th level as well. And Warlocks or Pack Casters are very unique. They get a maximum of 4 spell slots, period. However, they always cast those spell slots at whatever their highest level is of spells. And they get them returned to them on a short rest without any 
subclass or abilities or anything. It's just how they work. So very interesting. When you think about it, it really is its own little magic class. Each of these have ways of learning spells, and they're differently different ways to do this. And I don't want you to miss out on some of the role-playing opportunities. Again, Doc Talks, I know I'm talking about these things, but I really want to touch on what you can role-play with when it comes down to abilities and stuff like that. And we're talking about spells. Each different class has a different way of learning. I'm going to talk about the basics of each of the spell casting classes, bards, druids, paladins, rangers, sorcerers, warlocks, and wizards. I do understand that there are subclasses and that there are these other classes and homebrew classes. We're not going to touch on those bases. We're just going to talk about um, them within what we're talking about here because everything seems to fall under the same natural rule. Warlocks are a great RP and the mechanics are wonderful. Everything is, but we're going to be concentrating on spells. Um, I do miss Heron because I am a very much role-playing person and the way I was casting my spells was unique. And I'm going to share this, that we didn't do anything outside the rules. It wasn't like his magic was different. I didn't have to create a new subclass or category. We used the rules. I just changed up a few things. And I didn't, as long as my little flashiness doesn't change how the spells work. It's very important that the spell, the way the spells work, stuff like that. As long as you're not changing the mechanics of it, you can pretty much do anything you want and we're going to talk a little bit about the rules when it comes to material components today because this seems to be the question i get asked most when i help out at my local game store or other places this is a big question and it, everything's going to be dm prerogative we talk about rules as written so i just want you to know that so our bards actually do learn spells even though they're not doing it through books Per se, it depends on how you want to play your bard. Your subclasses and your bards are going to be part of your little role-playing moments. And again, those who are like me that have been playing forever, I still enjoy the you can't level up until you find somebody to teach you aspect, which is really neat, and I encourage DMs to enter that into your games if you can. Again, if you're not a real heavy role-playing group, if it's a lot of combat, not a lot of role-playing, I would leave that little part out of it. Go ahead and um, min-max groups, etc. that just go into fights just to do that. And, and people, I've got a few questions on this, so let me get this out of the way really quick. Just dump it right into this episode, and hopefully people find it later. When I say min-max groups, don't worry about that. What I'm actually talking about is your XP groups, right? So if you gain XP from killing things, and we roleplay a lot, then technically I should be role-playing a wizard academy as, okay, well, um, your first thing that we're going to do today is go out to the forest and we're going to hunt wolves and we're going to destroy a bunch of them until you guys get better at being wizards because XP controls level. Think about these little things, DMs. I understand sticking to the rules. The rules are the way they are written, but even the DMG talks about milestones and I encourage milestones. And recently got into a talk with somebody i actually do condone i don't know if i would do because it would be hard but there is a couple of dms and storytellers out there that use character milestone not party milestone thought it was really interesting that your character could level up from a milestone in its own life without everybody leveling with you i found it very interesting it would make a really unique group again 
come from a time when um, in 2E especially when you were leveling up not everybody leveled at the same time everybody had different experience points to level up on little bit of a nightmare when it comes to leveling and DM responsibilities and players helping players it was a little bit more sporadic but it really was a unique situation when one is level five one is level six etc but our bards learn spells and they learn them at each level so whenever a bard goes up a level it learns spells it tells in the in the bard chart it tells you what the levels are on each of those and when a bard levels they can only lose and re or replace i should say one spell that they know in general the spells they know they know for that level there's no changing them out they don't have that ability so they have to be a little bit more precise when they're picking them out they can only change them when they level they can ritual cast but they can only ritual cast the spells that they know that can be cast as rituals. They, they're not ritual book casters. Um, and I got to look at the feet now that I'm thinking about it. I think you do get a spell book. Um, and that would be a way to add in that. But a bard, straight bard, ritual casts only the spells that they know that they can ritual cast. So it has to be a, a known spell for them. Druids? Is, is different you prepare your spell list after a long rest so every time you take a long rest you prepare your spell list and you can do it all over again this is interesting and it has some mechanics that people look over so one of the things that they look over is when they prepare their new last after every long rest it's one minute per spell level that gives them a chance to rp and this is where your druids can be a little bit more unique. Praying in the forest, touching trees. It doesn't have to come out of a spell book, but when they're preparing, I like the aspect of just being unique in the situation where you are. It does give you that. And again, you can ritual cast, but it has to be on the list of spells that you've prepared. Paladins. You can prepare spells and change them after long, every long rest as well. I double-checked that because I, I thought it was different. I thought once you knew it, you knew it. But it turns out after every long rest, you can change them. You only get your Charisma modifier plus half your Paladin level rounded down. But when you prepare your spells, it's one minute. And obviously for paladins, it's become a little bit more unique now that we have paladin oaths that don't have to be taken to gods if your DM plays that way. Please don't come to a DM's table and say, I'm doing this paladin because of this. And don't let them have a decision, have a discussion with them. And if they choose that paladins in their world are committed to gods or, or beings on the positive energy plane... Don't argue, just play along. I get the want to do some of this stuff, but just make sure that you're playing along at their table. Rangers, like the bard, you learn a spell at every level. You can change out one spell every time, but for the most part, you have the same spells over and over again. I don't know if I like the paladin mechanic personally. I'll be honest with you. I used to be that way. I used to be where I didn't like some of them. I like some of them. And then I just started reading through them and realizing how each of these, even their spell levels, but their mechanics work. And when you think about it from a resources point of view, it's not like they have no class has unlimited resources. 
I would be careful with allowing somebody to multi-class sorcerer and paladin. We can have that conversation offline. But for the most part, I try not to. As long as it's in the book, we may have to change a few things. My thing is, in my world, I want things to be fun, which means they're equal or balanced. And that you're playing what you want to play. If you come to me and you're like, I want to play a druid because druids are fun or I relate to the druid, but the way that you want to play when I talk to you is not the way a druid could play and we go through the circles, then we have to try to talk about it and, and look at other things. When it comes to spell casting and their abilities, there's nature clerics, which might fit a little bit more to what you're looking at, but there's a plethora of things. But I'd be careful on the I don't like the way mechanics are. Because it's a balancing act of resources and everybody has their part to play in the game. I use this as role-playing. A lot of people, it's called a role-playing game. But to be honest, back in the 70s when they designed this, it was just a more streamlined strategy game. And that is the basis of D&D. What we have today is now trying to get these things together. The non-deity thing is another thing. It's not a mechanic. It's something that they put into the game to help you as a DM with your table. And I wouldn't say no straight up to a player. And I've allowed it at some of my tables, the no god uh, deity thing. However, I twist it and let them know that whether they want to acknowledge it or not, it's like a warlock pack to me. <laughs> Even though it's not doesn't have the benefits of the warlock we're getting a little off on that one but again cool role play moments especially for your paladins your clerics i skipped clerics on this too i'm sorry i have to go back but it's a minute per spell level that they're preparing for the day rangers learn a spell at every level you can change out one spell every time you level but again you keep it the way it is sorcerers because and, and each of these are a reason but sorcerers are an innate spell ability they have those same things on them you have your list you don't get to prepare it every day you have it for your level when you level up you can change one spell out and then have spells up to the level that you're at warlocks do the same thing and for the same reason as sorcerer it's more innate or given to you so there's nothing that you're going but again the unique thing about the Warlocks is every short rest you get all your spell slots back, but you have less resources to work with, but they're more powerful resources. There's a lot to it. And then Wizards are the one that everybody thinks of when they think of this, and, and it's different because Wizards have spell books. So they do prepare spells for the day after a long rest, studying their spell book if it's in there. There's actually rules for Wizards to learn new spells. It's not like the spell book has every spell in existence in it, you find spell scrolls, you go to a place of arcane study, and you attempt to put it into your book. As many spells as your intelligence modifier plus your wisdom level, one minute per spell level to get it to learn it for the day. And the unique part is because you have a spell book, you can ritual cast any spell that's in your spell book. Unlike the other ritual casters where you have to have it prepared for the day. You actually get to do it right out of your spell book. I understand that 5e is very streamlined. And it's funny to me that some people talk about how complicated it is. But I think we're just in a day and age where we don't want to think about it. We just want to do uh, whatever makes sense. But the rules are there for a reason. So 
I would look into that. Verbal, somatic, and material components. So there is nothing that says you cannot come up with your own components except for the material components, and we'll get to that. When it talks about verbal components, it's the phrase or verbal components are, are things that you, you say to cast a spell. You can look and change that. It doesn't, there's no rule that says this is what you're saying for the somatic component when you cast a spell. You could be as funny or as serious, but I encourage you to have something that you say for your spells. Good luck, wizards, because you have so many spells after a while. Dead clerics as well. But it would be neat to just say like a prayer if you're a cleric or um, as a paladin when you use your divine smite that there is a phrase that triggers that. Somatic components is the symbols your hands or your fingers do, and that's why a lot of people have to have a free hand to cast. These are cool RP moments as well. And I'll give you an example. Magic has her tarot bard in Red again. Coming soon to a podcast player near you. She has a deck of cards. Her deck of cards is her somatic component. And we made it that way. It's a very unique component that she uses. It's also her spell focus, which we'll talk about a little bit here. It is unique in its design, and I think she's doing a wonderful job putting that together as well. But there's nothing, again, that says in your somatic components. Now, me, I've had wizards and sorcerers in the past, and my somatic component, and I think I've said it a few times, just in my little story elements when I talk about spells being cast and read again, is the sigil, and the sigil stays with the magic energy from it while the fingers are moving through the air. I love it. It's just a great way to look at it. These are great story and RP things, though. It doesn't have to be. It can be the what I'm talking about with that, but there needs to be something that you do. And for tables to visualize in your visual players, it's better if they can hear and see your somatic and components. They get used to it after a while, and you will as well. DMs encourage this of your players, and players, please use these. Um, we would all love you for it. Material components are going to be a little more tricky, so let's talk about them. Without any other exception or rule, when we cast a spell, we need a certain part, some spells. It'll say M for material component, and then it will list the components you need to cast a spell. Some of them have a gold word or a... a a monetary value, we'll call it, or a money value. Some of them are just something that you have. If the spell doesn't say that it consumes it, then it doesn't consume it. However, if it has a monetary value, the spell consumes it. I haven't found that exception, but I really haven't gone looking for it specifically, and you're more than welcome to look it up, but I believe that's true. We can offset the material components. So you don't have to have a bag of material components, even though I will say that I love that Liam did it in Critical Role and that he's very much using it is wonderful to me. But you can use a uh, spell focus to overcome material components with an exception. So you don't need any other the, the material components if you're using some kind of spell focus to cast, cast your spells. However, if it has a monetary value to it, you still need that component. Now, your DM might say, no, we're not going to do that, which is fine. I am not here to override or tell a DM what they're supposed to do. 
but the rules as written, it does not. Especially if a spell consumes something, it needs that. And your spell focus can't be that. There are ways around that that the DM or DMs, I would encourage you as well, is more expensive spell focuses or little gems they can put into the spell focus. Work with what you got, but the rules as written is with the spell focus and something of value, monetary value, actually a sign like 250 gold diamond. These things need to be there as well with your material components. If you're playing as a caster, I would encourage you to know your spells. And again, I've talked about this before, but have a cheat sheet. And all your cheat sheet should have is your spells that you have for the day. Your, is it a DC? And possibly put what kind of DC. So DC, WIS is a wisdom save. Or is it an attack roll? Tell yourself that you have an attack roll to do that. I'm excited, Joyce. Cheat sheets are super helpful. It doesn't have to be specific. Again, is it a DC roll or is it an attack roll? Does it do healing or does it do damage? If it's something else, just leave it blank and you'll know. Now, you still need to have your player's handbook or spell cards around with the longer description. Each spell has limitations or things that happen or need to happen for the spell to be fulfilled. And that needs to be around. I would use the the cheat sheet just to be ready while you're going through your turns I would also encourage you to use your spells outside of combat i understand it's a resource and we all get into this game know it's a game and we've got to play the game but it is just a resource and when i say it's just a resource sometimes some of those resources could be useful outside of combat situations and and don't be afraid to use them outside of combat situations. Sometimes it will help you out of that combat situation. Now, I promised Joyce, because I skipped a cleric when I put this together, that I was going to open up the cleric. Well, let's just go straight to it and do a shout out of the book here. Just randomly having a player's handbook around. That's just how I am. I don't know how I skipped it. Clerics is my go-to. It was one of my first ones. Again, it's one of those that we're going to prepare a list of spells for the day. After you finish a long rest is actually in the book. One minute per level in the spells. I'm going to check Paladin while I'm here too. But you prepare the amount of spells that you can prepare is your wisdom modifier plus your cleric level. And again, when you prepare these spells, they can't they have to be for a level of spell slot that you have at that point. You do regain all expended spell slots after a long rest, which is good. So it has that in it as well. So you can use any of the cleric spells i like to rp this as my prayer book if you're using a prayer wheel you can also have a prayer book as well but i would do that so after every long rest you could change your spells you have to add up the total number of spell slots you're using and spend that much time in prayer or however you want to do you can ritual cast spells but you have to do it with a spell that you've actually prepared for that day. So, on, again, wizards are the only ones that have the spell book for that. You actually have to prepare the spell for that day. And you can ritual it if it has a ritual tag too. And it also says that you can use your holy symbol as a spell casting focus right out of the book. So, you have that. But remember if you're using a spell focus, remember if you're using a spell focus, that you still need the material or monetary material components when you go to cast. And some people just shun this off because they want everything now. I encourage you not to. Plus, it gives you a reason to have that gold. I've been in so many different games where we have like 
a god awful amount of gold and nothing to use it on. There's just no reason because at some point you're you're even overdoing any kind of living. Paladin one, you prepare a list of spells that are available for you to cast. You do it with your charisma plus half your paladin level rounded down, and you prepare it after a long rest. Yes, I don't know why. I always thought it was once you had it, you had it. And again, they have the spell focus as their holy symbol as well, right here at the end of the thing. So divine casters, which are clerics, uh, paladins, and druids, are considered divine casters, even though it's not necessarily from a god or goddess, but as magic does, it's from Gaia, the mother, or the earth itself, granting her that. Just going through this, uh, each cleric subclass that you choose has a list of spells that you automatically get. You know those no matter what, and you can't change them. But they don't count towards the spells that you know. At least, if I remember right, they don't. I was not prepared. Again, for some other reason, I skipped this. And that's so stupid, I don't know why I did. I will tell you that I have never... I, I count them as extra spells. Talk to your DM if you're playing a cleric, but I believe the cleric spells that you get from your domain is free to you, and then you also get a list of other spells that you can prepare. The ones that you get that are free to you, you can't change those. You can't swap them out. You have those spells on your spell list, plus the other ones that you know. And if you have questions about spells and like looking at them, um, your DM, specifically Mike Nerdworks, who owns said channel here uh, and is a wonderful person, is a very good DM and really has a good knowledge base of spells. To be honest, I should have invited him here to be doc for today, but I didn't. And here we are. So when you cast spells, some of them say cone or straight line or target, you have to read each spell on that. As you see on the maps, pictures I have right over here, um, and for those of you that are listening to this in podcast later, I, on the stream, have little things that are popping up. There were different resources I found of ways to measure, and there's actually going to be a link that I'm going to share in the podcast of this one right here that's on screen right now. is actually from a company that makes an opaque or see-through one with those lines on it, so you could look at it if you're playing at a table and they are wonderful when you use squares or hexes they're a little different on how they pattern out hexes are a little bit more accurate i would say oh, if something says it's five feet of you in a cube it's just every five foot hex around you every hex being five where if it's a square it goes across this helps with cones because a hex cone is a cone the cone is a cone but a, a jagged cone coming out of like a 30 foot cone and depending on the way you're looking as you notice in some of these some of them look distorted there are rules to that your dm should know those rules be able to count them out to see or if you say you know you're the one casting the spell so you should know like if i'm casting at this angle what it would look like is each of these things has a reason and it's in the rules and marked because everything needs to be in the rules and marked. DMs can change. You could use different methods yourself. I encourage you not to worry about that as much. I wouldn't change a lot of these rules or how they work. It's fine, and I've said this before, to change something from like a cone to a line, but know the spells that are like it to change the damage and everything else for that. When it comes to monsters, you could do that. 
try not to do that too much with the spells. But if somebody's using a spell and it doesn't seem like, huh, that's the way that the rule says it is. Remember, we have that rule of cool. And I want you to use that as much as with your players casting a spell as you do with your characters. The NPCs are your characters. Sometimes you need to have rule of cool. And again, the Redigan podcast had a few of that. Some of my NPCs have powers that don't exist in the book, but I thought it would be neat for them to have a little bit extra. Spells are fun, but spells are difficult. Spells come with a lot of rules. There's a lot of words in spells. There's major rules like you have to be able to see a target, the distance of the target. If something's a cone, a line, a radius these things change and some people like i'm great at math so i know the 15 foot radius is a 30 foot diameter circle on me and it makes it easy for me to look and see who it gets but sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it doesn't make sense and that's fine that's why they make these charts and you are no dm is going to be mad if you print off one of these charts and bring it to the table or if you find cardboard, I wish I could, I didn't even think about it. I actually have a cardboard circle with a square cut out of it that I use for one character to make sure because we actually played without the five foot maps. We played with like, oh, 30 foot was one inch squares. Yeah, six inches or something like that. And like, it was fun to do. It was unique. It was something better for somebody like me who's played the game a million times and gave me a little something extra to do. DMs, I want you to remember that you're in this game as much as your players are. And if you want to have a good table, you have to take time for yourself as well. We play our characters, and we have so many of them, and don't beat yourself up if you get upset. Or if you miss something, excuse me, not upset. If you miss something from your character, don't beat yourself up for that. It's not worth it. If you want to dazzle a little bit, as much as you're willing to give your characters the rule of cool, make sure to also do rule of cool for you. The biggest reason things fall apart in games is, I mean, everybody has a horror story of people that just couldn't make it anymore on that day, but the real thing is a burnout of DMs. And you need to take time for you. And as you notice, this week in Redigan, we didn't record yesterday. I was badly putting together my Hedwig Lego set and talking D&D and Redigan to anybody who was there, and I had to pull it half apart because I think I did a piece wrong. But we took a day off because people needed a day off, because they needed a chance to decompress. In my other game, we actually took almost four weeks off in a row in the one that I'm turning into a novel because one person was having really bad times at work. Is it fair to everybody else? It wouldn't be fair if they would have showed up because their RP would have been off. Their character would have been not the best, etc., etc., etc. Make sure that everybody is happy. Things are going well. Make sure that you're not burning out and that you're taking time for yourself and that you're doing things for yourself. These are important things and sometimes we forget them. And I don't want you to forget them. I want you guys to love and enjoy this game as much as I do for how much it touches people and does things for people and has wonderful thing. Self-care is eating them. But sometimes self-care is just unplugging from everything. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed and you're playing games and reading books but you're really overwhelmed, I want you to ask yourself, how much time away from being connected to the internet do you have? 
because your brain can get overloaded with that. I also want to say thank you if you're following me on TikTok. I broke 550, so I'm super excited now. And found a way into a community and helping a new community I haven't been part of, the Magic the Gathering community, to create better content for Magic the Gathering. And I think it was important. Love everybody. If you're in my server, you are more than welcome to ask me questions about D&D at any time. I actually have a spot for past Doc Talk questions. So if you're watching this, you're more than welcome to come join the server um, if you can follow the rules and go there. These wonderful people are there as well. G-Rath, Joyce, Mike, um, as well as wonderful other people. There's a plethora of different nerd knowledge there. Again, love one another. I want you to keep it nerdy. I want you to live your dream. Later. This has been a NerdWorks production.